0: That we have a haven of rest that we can go to uh, and find uh, the blessing of of God uh, in it. And uh, thankful that we have a God that hears us and a God that's concerned about the things uh, that we're concerned about. And um, we're going to do something a little different this morning before we look at our sermon. I'm going to ask Brother Rodney to come uh, up here. And the Bible says, if When we're sick, that we're to call for the elders of the church and pray. Um, And I've been meaning uh, to talk to him about this for several weeks and just finally did it uh, Wednesday night. Um, But, you know, uh, the Bible says uh, God is the great physician. Uh, And Brother Rodney has some some health conditions that doctors are finally starting to figure out. I think God can heal with doctors and medicine, but I also think God's big enough he can heal by a supernatural hand. Uh, and sometimes he brings healing other ways. And uh, But I know that God's perfect will be done, and so uh, I asked Brother Rodney if he'd be all right, and uh, I think the church, from what Brother Rodney and I talked about, I, I don't think we've made this a practice like perhaps we should have. Um, but uh, hopefully moving forward, we will make that a practice because I do believe uh, there's power in prayer. Uh, and so I'm going to ask you, if you would, uh, let's gather around Brother Rodney and uh, pray. Uh, if you want to stay where you're at, that's, that's all right, too, I suppose. Um. Gracious Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for your goodness to us. And Lord, we thank you for Brother Rodney. And Lord, he's been a faithful servant of you and a great blessing to this church and to your work. And Lord, uh, as he faces this health issue with his eyesight, Lord, we come and we've been praying for him. Uh, But this morning we come and follow the scripture's admonition that we come together as your body. And we lay hands on Brother Rodney and we pray and ask you. And so, Lord, our prayer is that you would touch Brother Rodney's body. Uh, Lord, that you would restore his eyesight. Uh, Lord, that you would bless him. And, Lord, whether you do it through your hand or whether you do it through doctors and medicine, uh, open the right doors, Lord, however you want to work. Lord, we know... Uh, that you know what's best and you have a perfect and a good plan for all of us uh, as your children and for your church. And Lord, we just come now and uh, as we bow before you, we pray your blessings upon Rodney and his family. Uh, Lord, may they find comfort and peace regardless of the struggles that they face. Know that you're with them and they have a church family that's with them as well, that we love them and that you love them. And so, Lord, we pray your perfect will will be done, and we ask all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you uh, for that, and do continue to pray uh, for Brother Rodney and the doctors will continue to figure out what's going on, and uh, either they'll fix it or the Lord will fix it. And uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul wraps up uh, his discussion about... uh, spiritual gifts, and how we conduct ourselves in God's house. The whole point of 1 Corinthians is that a relationship with Jesus Christ makes a difference in how we live our life. And he began in the early chapters talking about how we behave outside the church, and he's addressed in these last few chapters how we uh, live together in worship. And so that's what the point of uh, this very long uh, chapter uh, is. And we're going to pick up in verse 20. uh, I think it uh, gets to the point, uh, but read the first 19 verses maybe later this afternoon. Um, You know, God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. And God does not tell... One person, one thing, as an answer, and tell somebody else the opposite thing. Um, you know, he, he when when we're together as one body, uh, we know that God speaks, and we're concerned about one another. We're concerned about being faithful to what God has called us. Um, experience that I had a few years ago. Um, Was able to go to the Ukraine to uh, lead a seminar for a week and a half uh, and preach at some churches uh, in a city in uh, eastern uh, Ukraine. And uh, that was a a great experience. I'm thankful I was able to go and look forward to being able one day to go again. Uh, And certainly that's one reason why I pray so fervently for the people in Ukraine. We certainly should pray for the church there. Uh, and those folks as war has invaded that country. Uh, But since I've been there and I know some of the folks that are there and I've seen the beauty of that country, uh, and it is a beautiful place. I went even in January when it was cold and snow-covered everything, it was still a beautiful place. Uh, And beautiful people, Uh, people that were so gracious. And I learned that grandmothers or grandmothers, whether they're in Ukraine or whether they're in... Uh, America, uh, at church service, uh, after church, uh, the several of the older ladies stay after church and they have cookies and coffee. Uh, they absolutely insisted that I join them, as a good grandmother does. And I took a cookie uh, and uh, they made me a cup of coffee. And I normally don't drink coffee, but I drank it that day, uh, because when grandma says drink this, you you drink it, uh, and it was good. It was okay, uh, and we were able to communicate uh, somewhat, uh, and, uh, you know, and there was, thankfully was an interpreter there, so we could, you know, but even without the interpreter, we, and there was one particular lady. I can't remember her name, but I see her face just clear as day. I finished that first cookie. Was she content with me having eaten one cookie? Now, all of you that are grandmothers, know, no, she was not. I was content. <laughs> they were good cookies, uh, but one was enough for me. But you know what she did? She picked up the plate and shoved it at me. I said, "No, I'm good." She, I tell you, was well, not taking no for an answer. So I took another cookie. In fact, probably had four or five of them that morning. Uh, but just such great people and. Uh, the warship was one, and there were a couple songs that had the same tune. You know, were, the tune was the same, so I knew what they were singing uh, and kind of sing along in my head. Uh, but those that I couldn't, um, you know, I, I sat there and, you know, just kind of watched and listened. And though I didn't have the first idea of most of what uh, they were saying, I knew they were singing praises to the same God that I praise. Uh, and we were able to worship together and live together. And, and by the way, in Ukraine, it's not just one preacher. They, they take some of the passage in uh, this chapter seriously, and there's two or three preachers that preach, uh, and not devotions either, uh, preach three messages right after, so church lasted a little bit longer than what I was used to. Uh, And so, uh, but everything was done in order. And that's the point that Paul is trying to make because we've already seen there was a lot of disorder and craziness going on in the church at Corinth. And so Paul writes this letter as a corrective to that um, bad behavior. And so let's take a look beginning in verse 20. It says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak in tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, uh, will they not say uh, that you are out of your mind? But if all prophecy and an unbeliever and an uninformed person come in, uh, he is convinced by all, and he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. "...let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be encouraged, and that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints." Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husband at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the woman of God come originally from you, or the Word of God originally come from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge, Uh, that the things which I write uh, to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues, and let all things be done decently and in order. If there was one chapter in the Bible that uh, a lot of us would just like to delete, it's probably this one. Uh, Some for different reasons. And yet it's here. And I tell you, it's here for a reason. Uh, and there does, with some of this, have to be some wrestling and some taking Scripture in context of what Paul's saying in this entire letter as well as what the rest of the New Testament says and what the Bible as a whole says. And God does have some things to say about this. And so uh, the point that Paul is making here in this chapter is that things in God's house, our worship service, is to be decent and in order. In other words, there's supposed to be some organization to it, and the organization is not this rigid thing, but that it's not about us, and it's not about our way and us, you know, showing off. But rather the order, the the purpose, the the seeking, uh, the objective maybe is a better way to put it, of our worship is not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God. And so there's several things as we unpack uh, this chapter. Uh, as Paul addresses our behavior in worship specifically and the exercising of some spiritual gifts, and he picks out two. He picks out speaking in tongues and prophecy. Uh, he does not think those are the only two spiritual gifts. You remember, uh, as we looked at chapter 12 and 13, there was a long list of several spiritual gifts, and there's lists in other parts of the New Testament, some by Paul and some by others, that have other spiritual gifts listed. But it seemed like these two particular gifts were causing problems in the church because people were wanting those gifts because they were the upfront gifts, if you will. They were the ones people saw. And a couple, let me just pause here uh, and quickly uh, help us understand that when uh, Scripture is talking about speaking in tongues, it is not talking about gibberish. Uh, it uses a wor- uh, the, the word glossia, which, guess what, that sounds like glossary, doesn't it? It's a Greek word that just means language. And it's a known language. And so it was, would be, uh, if I had this uh, gift of tongues, I could go to Ukraine and I could preach in English and those in the audience that had never studied English would know exactly what I said. Or those in the audience could speak in Ukrainian and I understood what they're... I, I can say, uh, and I don't know that I could do it anymore, uh, but I could say hello... I could ask people what their name was. I could say, you know, how was your day? I could answer good. Uh, that was the only answer I had. So even if I was having a bad day, it was good because that's the only answer I knew. Um, and I knew da is yes and not is no. So, but other than that, if they were talking and I, I couldn't understand. And so it's not... a. Uh, uh, And throughout church history, that was the understanding up until uh, the 20th century, early in the 20th century. Uh, There came this idea that these languages were some kind of secret heavenly language. It most likely was not. Um, And there obviously are some denominations that think it was. Um, We're not one of them, though. I think it was an earthly language language, a known earthly language, uh, and the gift was that they were able to understand it. So when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he preached um, in Greek, and or maybe even Hebrew, and those that understand, there were people from all over the world, and they understood every single thing that Peter said. Now Peter wasn't preaching in a hundred different languages, but the people heard in hundreds of different languages. Prophecy is not foretelling of the future. It's not being a fortune teller. Rather, the gift of prophecy, and that is one element of prophecy, but not the one that Scripture most often refers to, even in the Old Testament. Prophets were men and occasionally a woman or two that came and proclaimed God's word, what God had said. Uh, and boy, we sure still do need that in 2022, don't we? We need... Uh, people that'll stand up and says thus saith the lord but here's the thing and the, uh, the problem at the church of corinth was everybody was coming and so there's about 30 of us here this morning uh, and so 30 people came with 30 different messages and guess what that's chaos that's not order and so people were carrying on their own conversations within the midst of the proclamation of God's word. And so people were not getting fed the way that God intends for them to. And Paul uses the exa- uh, mentions the gift of speaking in tongues, and he says, listen, it, evidently there were bunches of people coming and saying, listen, God sent me a word, and, and this is what uh, God has told me, and Paul makes it clear here, Listen. If you're gonna have, a, if God gives you a word, He's gonna send you an interpreter as well that can, so everybody else can understand what you just said. He said, if that's not the case, keep your mouth shut. Uh, and because what good is? And the point is, is that our spiritual gifts are never about us. They're about God and being faithful to him, and serving his church. Your spiritual gift is not for you, it's for everybody else in the church. And so Paul wants us to make the point that, listen, we, spiritual gifts are important, and our exercising of them is important, but it's important that we do them in order. And so I want us to begin by talking for just a minute about the origin of that order. God is a God of order. Scripture says that in several different places. Call your attention to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. This is what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And so, in the beginning, there was this just emptiness. There was this sphere that we call earth, but the world was empty. And so, what did God do? God created light to overcome the darkness, to separate, you know. And guess what? He saw that, he made that light and said it was good. And he separated light and darkness. And he created vegetation, he created animals, he created birds, he created fish. And then lastly, he created mankind. And so there was this, the origin of order is God himself. God, and Paul points out here in in these verses that we read, God is not the author of confusion. He's a God of order and understanding. And it doesn't mean that we always understand everything that God wants for us to understand. Sometimes we need the Holy Spirit's help, don't we? When the Holy Spirit comes and helps us, that's one of His jobs, is to help us understand God's directions. But then not only is their origin in order. And that reflects God and the way he creates. And so everything in our life should have some order and should reflect God's goodness and God's power and God's sustaining. But then I want us to to see that that's really a good thing. And the second thing I want to see is the blessing of order. So Paul says, listen, God's put things together in a certain order. He wants things to be organized. He wants things to, you know, be smooth. And guess what happens when that happens? Blessing comes. Because when we are using our spiritual gifts, whether it's the two that Paul mentions here, or whether it's one of the many others that the Bible mentions that, that various of you have. What happens when we exercise our spiritual gifts? Doesn't it bless the body of Christ? In fact, Paul says in another place that the purpose of the spiritual gifts is to make the body of Christ complete. And so when you exercise whatever your gift might be, the body of Christ is blessed by it. All of us here, every single one of you, has been blessed by the proclamation of God's Word. In fact, God's Word was proclaimed at some point in your life, the part of God's Word that we call the Gospel. That you're a sinner, and that you deserve to spend eternity in hell. That God loved you so much that He came to earth lived a sinless life and paid your sin debt for you so that your sin was covered. And if you would receive that gift, God would make you his child. He would make you new. He would forgive your sin. He would make you new. And what a great thing that is. I'm thankful somebody told me that, aren't you? I hope you are. If you've not heard that, you've just heard it. I hope you'll do something about it. When we exercise our gifts, it always is not to make a show of ourselves. It is never about us. In fact, it's not even really about other believers, it's about God being glorified. Because look at this God is so powerful. And so gracious and merciful that despite all of your shortcomings and all of the things that you can't do, God says, I'm going to use you. And when God uses you and you're obedient to use the gifts that God has given you, the body of Christ is blessed. But here's what Paul also says. He says, you know what? If you are working together and you're united by the Spirit and you're serving together, And you've got the same priority and the same purpose and you're doing things decently in order, even when unbelievers come and they hear God's word proclaimed, it's going to convict them. And they're going to say, you know what? These people really have this relationship with God. There's something different about them. And many will fall down and they'll worship God. In other words, what Paul's saying is many of them will get saved because of you exercising your spiritual gift, God will use your gifts to draw them not to you and not to First Free Will Baptist Church, but God will draw them to him. And maybe they will end up serving him here in this local church. And so when we use our spiritual gifts correctly, it brings blessing to the order of God. And when we misuse our spiritual gifts, it brings division and dissent. So Paul says, listen, when people are there and they're hearing this word of edification and people are speaking one at a time, not having little conversations, and that appears to be what was going on, is that there would be little huddles... And everybody saying something different. That just brings confusion. And nobody was edified and built up by that. But when God sent a message to someone with this gift of prophecy, or maybe even someone with the gift of tongues, and they were able, everyone, to listen to that one message, what happened? They were blessed. They were encouraged. They were challenged. Maybe God was calling them. And, you know, We miss so much because we let the noise crowd out what God wants to say to us. And so there's blessing that comes to the body of Christ when we're exercising our spiritual gifts for the main purpose of worshiping God and reflecting His goodness and His greatness. But as we do that, the entire body of Christ is encouraged by that, including the person exercising that gift. Now, that's not their motive, but you get blessing out of it. How many times have you gone intending to be a blessing to someone and you went visiting to visit someone that was sick. Or you made a cake for somebody that had lost a loved one. And you took it to their head to try to be a blessing to them. And that was a blessing to them. But you know, I found most of the time when I go to be a blessing, I'm actually the one that leaves with the greater blessing. Now, it's not why I do it or why I did it but I certainly got something out of it. And you will too as you use the gifts that God has given to you. And so we find that there's an origin of the order, there's blessings when God's people you know, work and together in order that there's not chaos and confusion and conflicting messages. But when we hear, and so it may be that we hear three different messages. But can I tell you that if it's spirit-filled and it's of God, that one message will go right along with the second message, which will go right along with the third message. They're not going to conflict with one another. And so all of a sudden we have to decide which one was right. Time when we pray, and we as a church, I ask you to pray various times about various things. And it amazes me without fail, what happens is that God will impress upon us the same answer. He won't tell me one thing, and Rodney one thing, and Leslie one thing, and Holly one thing, and John one thing. When that kind of stuff's going around in the church and there's division, in the church, that's not of God. That's not order, and that's not something God blesses. But you better believe that when different people come to the same conclusion, it's because God gave the same direction in the things of God. It's hard to get us to agree with ourselves, let alone someone else. Most of you know that's true. But for all of us to agree together is a God thing. And then lastly, I want to address something that probably has been the most divisive of chapter 4 and the most misunderstood and misapplied part of chapter 14. So, we've talked about the origin and the blessing of order. Lastly, I want us to talk just briefly for a minute about the inclusion of order. God gives some direction, uh, specifically to women in the church. And in most of our English translations, uh, most of us would assume wipe these verses out. Say, so, uh, They're not really there. But the problem with that is in every ancient manuscript, sometimes these verses are in different places, not in the same order that we have them here in our English Bibles. But in every ancient translation where 1 Corinthians 14 is found, these verses are there. Which is pretty good evidence that God intended for them to be there and they were there when Paul wrote them. We don't have Paul's paper because paper doesn't last forever, but we have copies of copies of copies of Paul's letter. And part of what gives us confidence in the New Testament is is that not only the fragments that we have of Paul's letters, but the Gospels, and that there's at least pieces of all of the New Testament? And it's not just a few, but hundreds. And, so that, and guess what? They match. And so, when there's that, we can know that it, this is really what it's supposed to say. And so we have to wrestle, is Paul saying that women don't have a place to play in ministry in the church? He is not saying that. He said earlier that he talked about women praying and prophesying in in church. And now here it seems that he's saying the exact opposite. Which is part of the reason why there's a good number of people saying these verses really weren't in Paul's letter. That somebody added them. The Western church added them in later centuries. Again, one of the reasons we know that's not true is because it's in every single ancient copy that we do have. Without exception. And so it was there. And so that causes us to think, why is it there? What was Paul saying? Well, Paul was obviously not telling women to shut up in church. You know, More than half of you are glad for that uh, because you are women. And boy, we would be in trouble, not only our church, but the body of Christ would be in trouble without the influence and participation of godly women throughout the centuries. Uh, we would be in big trouble. But Paul commends co-workers that were female in his letter. He even mentions in one of his letters in 2 Timothy, he commands and sends greetings to a deaconess, a female deacon, which causes Free Will Baptist some trouble, as well as some others. And so it's clear that Paul was not saying women have no part to play in the church. So what on earth is Paul saying? We have to look at the context of what was going on in the church at Corinth. And part of what was going on in the city of Corinth is there was a large temple in the city of Corinth where the priests were women. and Not only were they women, but they were prostitutes. And they were doing the things that prostitutes do as an act of worship, if you will, in this temple. Well, is that of God? It is absolutely not of God. It was false religion. And the Bible says we're to avoid any appearance of false religion. I think the idea that Paul is trying to get across here is rather that the women were not to have side conversations. They were not to, after their husband, F. Carl, stood up, and say, "Listen, this is the word that the Lord has sent to me this week." Evelyns and I'm just picking on them because they have to be sitting right in front of me together. So Evelyn's not stand up and say, "Listen, church. Carl's a moron." God didn't tell him that. This is what God told him. Well, that brings not only confusion, but it brings confusion within the household, doesn't it? And it brings division. And is that of God? It is absolutely not of God. And so what Paul is condemning are these little side conversations that are going on in worship services, where the little group over here uh, is having their own little thing, not really paying attention to whoever's speaking. They're having their own little sermon. But guess what? While they think they're whispering and being quiet, it affects everybody else, because when you're whispering, most of the time you're not whispering as quietly as you think you are. Uh, and, and people can hear you, and that distracts. And so Paul makes the point, God is not distracting. And so even if it's somebody, say, you know, a wife saying to her husband, what's, what's that mean? Even that's distracting. So Paul makes but listen, if she has questions or, or there's discussion, the worship service isn't the place for it. That's the point that Paul is trying to make. Not that women can't have ministry in the church, um, and so, so we have to look at the entire context of everything that Paul said. And by the way, the where the first century culture, uh, the Greek and the Roman and the Jewish cultures, devalued women. They weren't, you know, couldn't own property and so on and so forth most of the time, and yet. Jesus spoke and interacted with several different women, didn't he? And included them in his teachings. And showed that he was concerned about them. And Paul commends the, the work and the ministry of women. And there are different views in the Christian church about roles that women should have and we probably will have those discussions until Jesus comes back and then I think it's not going to matter anymore. Uh, and so I don't think we're going to ask him what the answer is because it's, it's not going to matter. We're not going to care about that anymore. But the point is Paul has taught in 1 in Corinthians in this letter that who can be saved anyone men and women and who is he taught has spiritual gifts men and women everyone he said if you're a believer god's given you a spiritual gift and if you don't have a spiritual gift it's probably because you're not a believer because if you are a believer if you're a child of god you have at least one that you probably have a couple maybe even three Uh, gifts that God has given you supernaturally to serve Him and His church. And so, it's not that the Bible belittles women. I don't think it does. But again, the Bible does give blessing and instruction to order. And in the worship service is to be a place of order. That doesn't mean that we program God out. Doesn't mean that, you know, we exclude some people or say, you know what, you can't serve God. And by the way, that's a dangerous thing to say when you tell somebody that God has called and God has given gifts to, to tell them you can't do that. Because you're not telling that person they can't do that. You're telling God that he can't do that. And guess what? You nor I have the authority to tell God anything. <laughs> he is the one that tells us. And so this message has been a little bit different. And you know it's hard to sometimes know what to do with this chapter. And maybe if we just have an understanding of what God is trying to say to us and what Paul was trying to say to the church at Corinth, and why God preserved this letter and put it in His word for us to read in 2022, nearly almost 2,000 years after Paul penned it. What was he trying to say? Well, I think it, what he's trying to say is, listen to what he says in the last couple of verses. Verse 39 says, "Brethren." Desire earnestly to prophecy. And don't forbid the speaking of tongues. In other words, what he said was, whatever your spiritual gift is, use it. Use those things that God has given you to serve him and his church. And do it. Use those gifts. Whatever they might be, use them. And use them however you're able to use them. And can I tell you that when God gives you gifts and you look for opportunities to use those gifts, God will make sure you have opportunity to use those gifts. It may be in ways that you didn't think or in ways that are uncomfortable for you, but God will give you opportunities. And so Paul says, use them. But in verse 40, let it all be done decently and in order. In other words, make sure it's spirit driven and God focused, that it's not about you. And unfortunately, I've been in some services uh, where, especially some music services, where it was very evident that the service was not about God. But it was about the musicians. Listen, concerts are okay. I like going to some concerts. There's some that I wouldn't care to go to, but there's some that. But guess what? Worship services and concerts are not the same thing. And worship services don't have, at least they shouldn't have, the motivation that a concert has. Concerts' motivation is entertainment. A worship service isn't about entertainment. It's about meeting God. And by the way, they don't—you know—it spans different kinds of music. I've been in some Southern gospel services that were just as much concerts as you know Aerosmith concert is. Yeah, they sang lyrics about God, but God definitely wasn't around, and he wasn't the focus. But then I've been in some, and it was very evident God was there. And that the people that were in the audience were concerned and focused on God, and those that were singing and doing whatever they were doing, it wasn't about them. It was about God. That God wasn't just mentioned as an afterthought or as a hook. But rather, he was the whole reason we were there. And that was evident. And God desires for that to be so in our worship services. That if a lost person came into this room this morning and they sat in this pew over here, didn't say a word, but they just took in everything that happened, when they left, would they say, you know what, those people are really real. They're nuts, and maybe they're too huggy, but they definitely have this relationship with God. They're different. Or would they leave say, you know what, that was a waste of an hour. I didn't get anything out of that. I think God's point is, is that when God's people gather, and they're doing things decently, in order, and God's Spirit speaks, it will be evident, not to only the believers, but to those that don't know God, there's something that God is doing in this place. And I hope that that's what you want out of your life, and I hope that's what you want out of your church. This evidence that God's doing something. And I tell you, God is up to something in your life. God is up to something in this church. God is up to something in this world. The question is, are we going to join it? And are we going to be a part of it? And so that's, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your love to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see your word and what you intend for us to get out of it. And I've tried my best to try to explain uh, the truth of your word this morning. And Lord, there are certainly those in the body of Christ that would disagree with the things that I've said, and maybe even some here this morning that would disagree with what I've said. But Lord, what I've said is not about me, but it's about you. And I pray that you receive glory and honor. And I pray that you speak to us. And Lord, I pray that my desire, the desire of everyone here, the desire of this church collectively will always be we want to lift up you. And we want to see you work in our midst. We want to be your hands and feet. Lord, it's not about my desires. It's not about anybody else's desires. It's about your desires. And about, it's about your direction and what you want to accomplish in us and through us. So, Lord, would you help us to be obedient and surrendered that we would see what you want to accomplish? Help us, we pray, to do that in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and let's sing this old hymn, I Surrender.